Hello and welcome to the Racing with Rob and Roller podcast. My name is Rob Peters in Indianapolis, and I am joined as always by my good friend and co-host in Charlotte, North Carolina, Josh Roller. It is the first episode of the month of July. We hope you had a wonderful extended holiday weekend. It wraps up. We hope it was safe. We hope it was enjoyable. Everybody got decent amount of sleep. Your pets are still doing okay. Uh, I know my cat's a little bit nervous now, but uh, we, I think the fireworks have stopped right now, so good to go on that. Uh, but hey, let's talk about uh, what's got coming up in the show today. NASCAR held the inaugural Chicago street race over the weekend. Was it a success? Lots of things say yes. Some people say no. Hey, we'll talk about everything about it coming up in the show later. And then corner cutting was the common theme in the Austrian Grand Prix. We'll talk about the implications of the post-race penalties following Sunday's F1 Grand Prix. And then, hey, the summer of Alex Pillow continued in mid-Ohio on Sunday. Is he ever going to slow down? And why is he still considering leaving Ganassi? My goodness, we'll talk about all of these topics and more coming up next on the Robin Roller Podcast. But let's get right on into the show this week. We're starting off with some of the news. Uh, we're going to go ahead and jump right into the Formula One news of the week. And coming off the heels of the Austrian Grand Prix from this weekend, uh, the Austrian Grand Prix will take place uh, at the Red Bull Ring through 2030 that has been announced by uh, Formula One and the Red Bull Ring officials. Uh, next piece of news here. More mixed signals about Formula One grid expansion has come from Liberty Media CEO Greg Maffei, who uh, sees the expansion and inclusion of a manufacturer such as General Motors in Formula One as a positive. Okay, so are you going to let Andretti and Cadillac come in? Huh. I think I think they do. I think that he wants them to, but will they? We'll find out. I think they have to. Uh, final piece of Formula One news here today is that Alpha Tauri is set for a UK expansion and a rebrand in 2024 that will be defined as a new title sponsor. So Alpha Tauri kind of separating here from Red Bull a little bit. It's It hasn't really been the junior team for a while, and especially the last couple of seasons. It's kind of operated on, as its own beast, and even now, you know, it's got uh, that Orland sponsorship coming over from Alfa Romeo, bringing, you know, that kind of Robert Kubica money there. Um, kind of an interesting happening there uh, to see what the team that was once Minardi, and uh, hard to believe the team that uh, Sebastian Vettel got his start in, and, uh, well, technically it came with Sauber first, but... His first full season came in a in a Toro Rosso, then uh, or an Alfa Tauri, then known as a Toro Rosso, and uh, you know, I definitely think for, for a sale. I, it seems like it. It definitely seems like it. We'll talk about that uh, maybe here the next couple of weeks as uh, more is announced on that. Uh, hey, Formula E, we've got some Formula E news to talk about. Uh, it looks like they've signed a de- new deal with CBS. Because beginning in January of 2024, five races were, will air live on CBS and then simulcast on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, I 
Josh, uh, I can't remember. I didn't really read much of the release. I probably should have. That feel. I feel bad for that. But uh, I, I assume the remaining races are still on CBS Sports Network in some capacity, or they, they're not. Gonna, they sh- surely they're gonna keep I airing the so. series live, right? I I, th- I think so. I don't remember that saying specifically that, but I think the rest were going to be on uh, CBS Sports Network. Just sort of this is sort of a, just an expansion of the coverage offering so definitely is, a good thing uh, to get it on right. paramount plus oh yeah paramount plus for sure it'll be that good is... that's where I mean, the, the 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 um srx was on paramount plus and cbs from day one i watched a couple srx races actually on paramount plus i mean paramount plus is great for the uh beavis and butthead reboot alone in my opinion i mean it's it's worth it for that have you not sure. seen it I never watched the first, first, uh, the old, the classic stuff. Yeah, I just know you're Elvis. a bunghole, man. I can't believe this. I know, I know. I, I cannot believe this. My father had me watching Beavis and Butthead when I was very young, when I was an infant. He, See, would, I was he watching, would watch like, it with me. I was watching Jurassic Park way too early. Well, so was I. I mean, I watched Jurassic, the first time I watched Jurassic Park. I was like four. Oh, okay, so. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's not any different. By the way, my parents were good parents. <laughs> I don't don't I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea. Um, no, but seriously, it it's good. It's it, you know, it's it's never a bad thing when you're simulcasting stuff on streamers because you know there's a lot of again there's a there's a big audience there that probably is not going to know that that race is on and then yeah. see it on paramount plus and go oh hey this is a this is what is this electric car racing ah uh, maybe i'll check this out uh see what it's all about and maybe maybe be some fans so uh yeah. just just always good because it's putting it on the cbs sports app is just terrible i hate that it paramount plus is better it it's just better come on i understand i i understand like one is free one isn't like i i don't care that just paramount plus is a better experience than that cbs sports app uh anyway um let's move on to some indycar news because we do have a big piece of indycar news here to say talk about we'll talk about this uh simon pagino had concussion-like symptoms after a major flip in practice following a loss of brakes massive brake failure at mid-ohio uh the crazy thing about this was this was the most bizarre thing that i think in the world is this was i Identical, almost a one-to-one <laughs> recreation of Michael Andretti's flip in 1998 at Mid-Ohio. Same place, basically the exact same veracity of a flip. Um, it it was like deja vu when I saw it. Uh, for, I saw this, and I saw the replay, and I was like, wait a minute, I've seen this before. You know, <laughs> I, obviously, this was after I knew Simon was okay, but... Yeah, I was like, yeah, I've 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 seen this one before. Uh, where where have I seen this? Oh yeah, Michael Andretti did this back back in the nineties, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, because of those concussion like symptoms, uh, Simon Pagano was not cleared to race in uh, Sunday's Honda Indy Two Hundred in Ohio, and he was replaced by Connor Daly, who had very positive things to say about the Meyershank Racing organization following his departure of Ed Carpenter Racing. Um, I've had people tell me now that uh, I guess 
Connor uh, is... I, I don't know that that separation was mutual based on what I have been told about from people who have talked to Connor. I, um... Who was, ups- who was the not mutual about it? What side? I'm not sure details, if, you, if, the, if the details are proprietary, well, but... From, they're not really proprietary. I, it's just, I... I believe... ECR... Did Ed Carpenter Racing come to him and say, you're no longer here? Kind of. Okay. And, and, it, and then they played it off as, as like it was mutual. Um, yeah, just because people didn't want to, they didn't want to create bad press. But Connor has reportedly been telling people in private different, something different. Yeah, uh, as, well, and not even really in private. I mean, there was there was some racer articles that came out this weekend, um, and even the Indy Star article uh, where Connor was basically hinting that Meyer Shank was better than Ed Carpenter Racing. Despite the on-track results and really not backing that up, um, well, it could just be a situation of man, we're just not hitting the engineering right now, but we're a better team, and we will be back in the top fifteen sooner than ECR will. Well, uh, yeah, but uh, Connor Connor did uh, have pretty pretty decent weekend, especially for jumping in the car and, and he only had uh, one day. Yeah, he one day out. short notice. Of course, uh, you know, I, I heard that, you know, I guess he was there at the track, you know, with his helmet and fire suit ready. You yeah. Know? Uh, you know, he's, go- he's still going to the track, you know, just in case he's someone got a needs a replacement. About, man, he's got to be at the track to talk about the podcast. Well, true, but it, I guess it never, hel- it never hurts to carry your helmet with you, just in oh, case. Absolutely. Uh, all right, uh, let's move on into some NASCAR news, because we got some NASCAR news to talk about, lots of fun little stuff to talk about. Um, hey, uh, the winner of past this past weekend's Xfinity race in Chicago, uh, Cole Custer, he will compete in the next three NASCAR Cup Series events and the number 51 Ford for Rick, Rick Ware Racing. Good for Cole, he's getting back to the Cup Series, and Josh, we discussed this prior to the show, uh, he has probably a good chance of beating three out of the four SHR cars on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it's been rough for the Stuart Haas racing Mustangs. Uh, yeah, it, 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 I don't know what it's, it's the Andretti auto sport right now of NASCAR, you know, it's this big <laughs> oh, man. that should be performing better. And they're being carried by one guy. Yeah. Kinda. Yeah. And that one guy, Makes the whole team look bad whenever they make mistakes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no one would bat an eye if no one bats an eye if Harvick and Herta are doing great. But as soon as those two stuff it in the fence or have some kind something go wrong, oh, it's a then, horrible day for Andretti Autosport. Yeah, it's a horrible day for SHR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh boy. Oh boy! Oh boy! Hopefully, hopefully they turn it around. Hey, hey! Let me let me tell you this: <clears throat> if uh, Ray if Ray Hall Letterman can turn it around uh, this past weekend, I mean they they had all three of their cars in what top ten, top twelve qualifying. Yeah, they had I mean, probably their best best one. 
I mean, at Graham, Graham was on the outside of front row. Lundgaard was up for, up there. Harvey was up there. I mean, that's that's good. That's good to see. I mean, that that's like a weight. Got to be a weight off their shoulders. I mean, I know Graham was upset about after the race, but that's got to be a weight off their shoulders. Anyway, we're talking about NASCAR. Let's get let's get into this next piece of NASCAR news um, because this is boy, this is big. This is big. This is big. We're gonna talk about this later in the show, so I'm not gonna touch on it too much right now but nascar is already holding talks with other cities for additional and future street course circuits adam stern tweeted that ben kennedy said by no beans means will there be a quote a bunch of street courses um stern also reported that nascar began planning the chicago street course in 2019 before everything went down before covid before drive to survive popped off uh literally this has been you know, close to close to five years in the making, and uh, I, I, I guess this this was something that they really, really were thinking about doing and really wanted to do. Yeah. Um. And and as we uh continue to talk about this, I already revealed that Cole Custer won the Xfinity race at Chicago, so I don't feel that bad. Uh, spoiling who won the Cup race because look, it's Wednesday. You probably know by now if. You you had to have been living under a rock if you didn't know by now. But, uh, I can't tell you how many times I just got back from summer shootout. I can't tell you how many times they referenced the Chicago Street Course and the driver you're about to name during the broadcast and the fan uh, interaction stuff. I and mean, it's just like it's like it's like you insulting people. It's like check mark check mark check mark. <laughs> oh <laughs> boy, Rob cleaned up his act a little bit. And I don't go back and turn around and like mark make checks. Oh, sorry, you're talking about something. You else. don't make check marks as many as many times. I well, hey hey man, I I I could have tweeted something about Noah Gregson on the weekend, but I chose not to. I took the high road. I took the high road. Oh, you're gonna have to tell me what that was. I cannot say it on this podcast. I cannot say it on this podcast. I will get canceled. I cannot wait to hear what what how you made fun of the Baconator. I will wait. say I will say that I did tweet I did tweet if you saw it by the way, Twitter broken broke the, again again this weekend. I did tweet that uh, uh, Gregson went for a hat trick in the race by crashing right. in all three stages. Yes, he tried. that 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 I was that I was comfortable tweeting, but. Okay, what 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 was I talking about before I dig myself into a hole and everybody's like, what did he say? What did he say? And I, I, I literally cannot tell you. I just I literally cannot tell you. I cannot tell you. It is it is one of those intrusive thoughts that, you know, it's it's hilarious at the time, but it's like you cannot say this in public. You cannot say this to anybody. You have to just scrub it from your mind. Right. You just have to like not say it. But I feel like I've brought enough attention to it now that People could probably infer what the what it might be, so I'm just going to leave it at that and actually try and get through this this news story because Triple Eight Racing, reigning Supercars teams champion, and uh, the team in which Sunday's Chicago Street Course winner Shane Van Gisbergen uh, runs for, has said quote that they will not stop SVG from going to NASCAR in 2024 following his win on debut on Sunday. Uh, SVG said in victory lane. Quote, he's got one more year in Oz, and then, you know, he'll see. So um, this, so this, that statement comes on the heels of SVG saying that in Victory Lane. Uh, Triple Eight Managing Director Jamie Wincup today 
or Monday admitted that uh, should a NASCAR offer come along for next season, the team will not stand in Van Gisbergen's way. So they are totally cool if he wants to go try out some NASCAR in the same regard that uh, Dick Johnson Racing was totally cool when uh, uh, McLaughlin went over to IndyCar, mainly because I don't think they had a choice because they were still partnered with Roger Penske at the time. Uh, so there's that. That's That could be big. That would be pretty big. Um, I'll, uh, I, I will say that would be huge for the sport of supercars. Uh, it'll be huge for the sport of NASCAR. Uh, it'll be huge for just... I mean, the fact of the matter is it'll finally make Americans remember New Zealand exists. I mean, I feel like people forget that SVG and Scotty Mack are both Kiwis. They are not Australians. They yep. race in Australia, but these people were born in New Zealand. And yes, there is a subreddit called Maps Without New Zealand, where a bunch of official maps forget New Zealand exists. Have you heard about this, Josh? Yes, I've, I've actually seen a couple of them. Yeah, like there was a, I think it was actually like a, a Rand McNally post. In like, like you're like, so did New Zealand go the way of California and fall into the water? What what yeah. happened here? It was very, it was very, it was very obvious. And like they forgot, a, they forgot a bunch of like Indonesia and uh, all those islands oh, too. Lord. Like, like, they, 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 they canceled like a billion people. <laughs> How can you forget about Papua New Guinea? I, I, I had to ask the people who made that map, man. I, it was, it was, it was very bad. It was a very bad screw up. Yeah. I love saying Papua New Guinea. I can tell. You said it twice. It's one of my, yeah, it's one of my favorite countries to pronounce. Just like Zimbabwe. Okay, we're learning things about Rob here today, folks. How many did you start with the letter Z, Rob? Uh, Zanzibar is not a country anymore, is it? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm just saying, you actually did. I know there's 190-some countries in the world, and I, I, I can only name Zimbabwe, I think. Oh, my gosh. All right. Hey, uh, hey okay, let's... let's... <laughs> Yeah, let's go. We have we have half the amount of news topics, and we're about to get to the same time we had last week. Uh, we're terrible. We're terrible. Um, yeah. you know, and 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 I'll tell you this. Okay, this we got we, the next two pieces of news are ratings related, and the only thing I'm going to say about this is the fact that Showbuzz Daily is shutting down. Um, so I don't know how much longer we're going to be able to have information like this, because uh, that was basically where everybody got the ratings information. Um, yeah. I imagine Adam Stern will find some source to get them but i don't know how reliable they'll be adam stern has someone on the inside of every tv channel i mean really well that's great but i don't know but anyway let's let's talk about some of the ratings from last week and this past weekend uh so from nashville so the ally 400 at nashville nbc uh received a uh, why is this not showing up? Okay, here we go. A 1.83 rating with uh, 3.2 of uh, 11 million viewers. Uh, so that was up a a by um. That was last Sunday's Ally 400 at Nashville. Yes. Uh, so that that was actually up from last year, uh, which is good. It says up one uh, percent and ten percent from last year. And then uh, the ratings are in for the Chicago Street Race. They dropped Monday night. 
Uh, NBC received a 2.52 rating with 4.632 million viewers, making the Grant Park 220 the highest viewed race of the year outside of the Daytona 500. It was also marked the highest viewership of a NASCAR race at NBC since the 2017 championship race at Homestead, which was Dale Jr. and Matt Kenseth's last race. Wasn't Matt, it wasn't Matt Kenseth's final last race, but... but scheduled. But scheduled last races. Yes, yes. So this is, um, I mean, honestly, I, 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 we'll talk more about this later, but uh, my gosh... I don't even know what to think right about the weekend, but to see those ratings was was pretty impressive. So that's that's awesome. Good job. Hey, 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 I, 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 I'm going to go back to people like NBC. People like NBC. People you know, really do because the, the coverage of Sunday's race was so good. It could have been horrible, but it went. It but the, it, NBC nailed it. They knocked it out of the park. They nailed the vibe. The Xfinity series. They nailed the. They've nailed the coverage all. All you know, there are two weekends here at Nashville. And yeah, they only had two races so far. But they nailed it, and it's like, okay, thank you. There is someone out there who knows how to broadcast a race. Still, yeah, no, they do. It's it's wonderful. Um, let's move on here to the featured paint scheme, Josh. We're talking about one of my. Favorite Formula One seasons this this year, the 2012 Formula One season. I tell you, I I don't know why this is one of my favorite seasons. I I started watching Formula One like regularly, like I watched F1 semi regularly when I was a kid. Obviously, I could really only watch the races that were, you know, that my dad watched. Uh, I didn't seek it out. I only watched them with him. But it was around that 2009, 2010 that I started you know, kind of doing it on my own. And then 2012 was when I was like, all right, I'm going to try, I'm going to make an active effort to watch every uh, F1 Grand Prix. Um, I it, Bootleg streams from Sky Sports F1 was also helpful. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, it had some truthfully beautiful cars. It had some truthfully memorable moments. Can't forget about Pastor Maldonado winning the Spanish Grand Prix. I still can't believe, I still remember where I was. When I got that notification, and I, 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 I didn't believe it. I thought someone was pranking me. I thought someone had got had hacked in to Eurosports app because I had the Eurosport app at the time. I had a bunch of crazy apps on my iPod Touch when I was in high school. Um, I had the Eurosport app, and it popped that up right after it happened, and I, I thought it was a prank. I honestly thought it was a prank. Um, but anyway, uh, Josh, you've got uh, one of the cooler cars of the year. I gotta say, this is this is also one of my favorites. Uh, back in the day, I was a big fan of both of the drivers of this car. Um, I I really I, I was a big fan of both of these guys. I was I cheered for them every week. Uh, but I also cheered for my guys that I picked. Obviously, I think if you know me well enough, you probably know who I picked. But, Josh, I'm going to go ahead and turn this over to you. You go ahead and tell me everything about your featured paint scheme. Well, I know you very well, and I immediately crossed the one that you picked off my list of selections. Because, like, there's like a 90—I'm sorry, 199% chance he's probably going to pick that one. Yeah. So I, I just cross on off. 
and like you, you know, there were some, you know, snoozers uh, out there in, in, in this in this field of F1 liveries, but there were also some pretty good ones. And uh, I honestly basically kind of flipped a coin, and I went with the Lotus E20. Um, I love the black, the red, and the gold. I don't know why. Uh, it just feels... This is what I wrote down. It feels seasoned. Among a field of schemes that feel like youngsters, that's what I wrote, and I, and and what I mean by that is it just it feels very mature. It's a mature paint scheme that I feel like you could have plucked onto a car from the '80s, and it would have ran very very seamlessly into the, the that that liberally world. So I, I, that's what I mean by that. I just I did. It feels old, but it feels it feels so fast and. Um, you know, I, I I just like that about it. This the color combination, the black dominating the the base, I should say, with the with the red and gold, just fantastic. Um, so there are 20 races that season. Kimi Raikkonen was one of the drivers. He scored seven podiums, and he also had a win at Abu Dhabi. And Roman Grosjean scored three podiums in 19 starts because he did receive a one race ban in the Italian Grand Prix after a massive uh, wreck at the Belgian Grand Prix, uh, Grand Prix that he, you know, was deemed to have caused and you know, nearly maybe killed a couple people. So, um, yeah, that um, that happened. But aside from that, great car, love the livery, and uh, I kind of wish that I had had an F1 game that had that car in it, but I, I sadly don't. So, yeah. I may or may not have F1 2012 for the Xbox 360. Oh, well, Rob, there you go. Congratulations to you. Yeah, you and I sure do love... I sure do love driving the uh, MR01 around the Valencia Street Circuit. Of course you do. Sure is my yeah, that's my favorite. That was my favorite things to do was driving. Oh oh oh, and can't forget about. Uh, I love driving the uh, the Indian Grand Prix, the Buddha Circuit. Um, oh yeah, beautiful, beautiful circuit. I mean, I I wish every single day that there would be at least some major racing series that returns there like i didn't really care much for you know the korean circuit but i really loved that uh i really really loved that indian circuit i thought that was a really unique racetrack with a lot of uh very challenging corners even driving it in a simulator like even driving it in f1 2012 it's it's a challenging racetrack it's it's very challenging to get right but when you do get it right it's very rhythm based you know it's very rhythm based uh and once you get in that rhythm i mean i just love you know once i'm in that rhythm i'm like all right how much how how much later can i break you know how you know how how much can i uh take this take the um take the carousel turn that they've got it's kind of like a yeah, I know, I know. Whatever. Um. Anyway, I'm gonna talk about. Uh, I'm gonna talk about this because I did love the Marussia MR01. So after they, uh, after it, it's no longer, it was no longer Virgin Racing after this point. Uh, it was now um, Marussia F1 team. Uh, and uh, it was it ran, it ran a Cosworth engine actually. The uh, Marussias ran Cosworth engines up until, uh, 2014. Uh, and and actually in 2014. Uh, they started running uh, the Ferrari engines because uh, their driver, Jules Bianchi, 
uh, was uh, a had a had a deal with Ferrari. He was a Ferrari junior driver. Um, yeah. So that's how they got their Ferrari uh, engine deal because. It was, it was that they were actually wondering what they were going to do for a while when Cosworth was like, yeah, we're not going to make a, a V6 engine. Um, so they, they weren't a brief amount of panic, but in 2012, they were fine. Uh, it, but actually, this, this car was uh, relatively new. It wasn't that quick of a car, but compared to the Caterhams and the HRTs, it was, it was by far the best. It was by far the best of the back markers, and that made me very happy because I loved watching it uh, it go out there and run. It was a beautiful car. I, I love the red and black. Yes, Josh, go ahead. Oh, uh, you could ask me. I was just going to ask, is this the year that you have a Marusha shirt from? No, that is from 2013. So uh, that one I love because they added the white. Uh, I think the white and the black was good. But this one, it has a different shade of, of, of red um and uh it, the it's got a kind of like a black stripe or kind of like a a black highlight i guess or however you want to say it like a a, a black uh, yeah it's a black racing stripe i guess going through uh the the car um and it's got that it's still got the virgin red so like the virgin company still sponsored them but they weren't like the sponsor of the team anymore that like that got, it got taken out taken over by um by like Marussia, which was the Russian sports car company. Yeah. Um, and uh, but I still love this. I still absolutely love this race car. I mean, it, it's one of the more appealing looking ones because you talked about uh, your your selection is the Lotus. The Lotus got a lot of of heat. I remember back in the day because of its step nose. You know, it, the step nose on the front uh, that was not popular when it came out. Um, and the MR01 didn't didn't have that, you know, and that was kind of one of those aerodynamic advantages. Uh, and I think you know the Red Bull had it. You know, talk about the Lotus had it, um, but the uh, the McLaren didn't. And comparatively to those two those other two cars, the Ferrari the Ferrari did, um, and the Ferrari was relatively quick, uh, especially with Alonso. But um, but yeah, this this was a this was a beautiful better looking car when it was announced i was i enjoyed looking at it more when it was announced uh but the two drivers of there were not my not my favorite i like the team i like timo glock all right but char peak you remember char peak anybody remember char peak you remember his younger brother arthur peak remember these both both guys were supposed to be like they were really supposed to be the next big thing but they you know thought they were or something i don't know but they they came through um I say that because, uh, hey, this car, the, the, the highest this car managed to come all season uh, was 12th. Uh, and, and the first 12th actually came from uh, Timo Glock. He finished 12th at the Singapore Grand Prix. And then in the Brazilian Grand Prix, the final race of the season, Char uh, Peak uh, finished 12th, getting uh, so both times they finished 12th, which was incredibly good for this car considering everything that was going on in formula one back that back then and, and just how you know again i think i've brought it up on this show before that you know these three teams marusha caterham hrt they all were entered into formula one in 2010 under the impression that there was going to be a cost cap implemented within the next couple of years when there wasn't financial collapse was was 
inevitable. The fact that it took Caterham and Marussia less time, more time than HRT to collapse, I think was good, but I'm still sad that both teams did end up collapsing. Um, Sharp Peak ended up going to uh, the Caterham F1 team uh, in 2023, and then next year they brought in basically my two favorite drivers of all time in Formula 1, Max Chilton and Jules Bianchi. Loved both of those guys. Whole reason, whole reason I got hardcore into Marussia by 2013. Like, by this point, it was like, okay, I know Seb is, Seb Vettel is going to win the race. He's going to win every race. But I just hope Max and Jules can beat, uh, beat Sharpeek and Hecky Kovalainen. Or no, it was, uh, Guido Vandergaard. Vandergaard was in the, in the caterer. Yeah. So. All right, let's move on. Uh, because I don't even know how long we're going to, about a half hour. Okay, that's not bad. That's not bad, because let's, uh, let's move on into the upshift-downshift segment of the show. This is our uh, debate topic, so we'll present a series of hypothetical questions and or statements. Now, I want to preface this. I, I mentioned earlier that uh, Twitter is being all sorts of funky, and of course, you know, you might not be able to see our tweets. Uh, so I want to encourage everybody right off, right off the bat that if you have not done so yet, please Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platforms. This guarantees that you will be able to see the newest show when it drops in case Elon decides to limit non-verified users to 50 tweets a day. Who knows if that's what he ends up doing at some point. I would not put it past him. He is paywalling TweetDeck now, so it's going to be even harder now for us to schedule tweets to make sure they go out at at a time that, you know, you will see them. Um, because we try to schedule them for all different hours of the day on Wednesday so that, you know, whenever you log into Twitter, you have a chance at seeing, seeing those new posts. Um, you know, so again, subscribe. And if you want to interact with us, uh, if you are a Spotify listener, you can always, always, uh, give your answer to our featured question of the week on Spotify. Uh, you can answer that question right in the app. You don't even have to get into another app. You could just answer it right there. So that'll I wanted to preface all of that because if you want to play along, if you want to tell us, Sans just DMing the two of us, this is the way to do it. We highly recommend uh, those two ways to keep up with the show. Um, so let's go ahead and jump right into the first one. Now, weather aside, the start times for the NASCAR street races at the Chicago street course were too late in the day. Now, the Xfinity race, uh, I believe that was scheduled that that was for about 4 or 5 o'clock, right? Uh, yeah. I know the cup race was 5.30 um, originally, and it got moved up to 5 o'clock. Uh, now, this, these would have been about 3 or 4 o'clock central time. So local time to Chicago was about an hour ahead. Uh, so how do you shift on this, Josh? What is, what is your take on the start times for the Chicago street races? Well, I think the key word in this question is street, right? It's street races. It, it, they were too late, um, you know, uh, upshift. They, they were too late in the day. You know, it's one thing. You know, we look at, like, mid-Ohio. You know, mid-Ohio, they don't have, they don't have to open up those gates to let traffic through the next day or have it you know done by 48 hours you know we got traffic flowing back on the streets they don't have that to worry about 
street courses you do. Um, I understand, you know, could the some of the good ratings come be that it started later in the day? Absolutely. Um, but I think you got to take into consideration we are on a street course. We do have a deadline. NASCAR did technically have Monday to race um, if they needed to with their, in their contract. Um, but you, I, I just feel like it's a, that's, a, that's a risk. You never know what's going to happen. And I, I would have felt more comfortable if we went to the ever-traditional, more-hated 3 o'clock <laughs> start time, you know, um, or 3.30. I mean, they, there's a lot of stuff to do. You know, and I understand they may want to have the, the build-up during the day with concerts and whatnot. You know, I, 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 I guess I don't see too many people going out there going to a two-hour concert, you know, beforehand. The three of them, you know. I don't know. I just felt they were too late in the day for me to deal with the light going away and... You know, the fact that it is a street course and that you can't just, you can't wait around for three days for the rain to stop. You know, uh, I'm, I'm a big person on, you know, let's let's not cut time out of the day and, and limit our opportunities. Well, look, my opinion on this kind of is, is, might be a little bit controversial, but actually I think this worked, this was one of those races where I felt like it worked at NASCAR's favor to, to start a little bit later. Um... Because I think a lot of the experience of of the day was the build up to it, um, and and I think I think this was one of the few races where I actually watched the pre race. Typically, I skip the pre race altogether. I watch post race shows, um, but I, I typically skip pre race just because I, I don't care. I just I just want to watch you know opening ceremonies. Uh, the 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 command to start engines, starting grid, go. You know, like that's that's when I think a broadcast should start, right? Just get on with it, right? But the build up to this race was so there was so much talk about, there was so much to analyze, there was so much going on that I wanted to know about. Um, and I I was just like I gotta tune in for this pre race. So it, I think the later start times in that regard helped, helped the buildup. I think it helped the buildup a lot better. Um, now, I, I also will say this. Um, Chicago being on central time, I think, helps a lot, too, because you kind of have that extra hour leeway, you know, because let's, let's be honest. I mean, Sunday night is typically a pretty good viewing night for sports. Right, maybe that could be debated in the summer months, but even then, I think there's a lot of people are not doing much on a Sunday night, even in the summer. You know, they're they're probably watching TV, um, and I think you you saw that in the ratings, um, that I think it worked out in NASCAR's favor. That being said, I, I feel like you know I. Excuse me, excuse me, going back. Before I say that being said, I, I forgot to finish my point. I got, I got so ahead of myself. Um, anyway, what I meant to say was because Chicago's on Central Time, basically, you know, sundown is 9.30. Okay, so, but it's 8.30 there. Right, but we can go all the way up until 
you know, we could go as far into what would essentially be halftime of Sunday Night Football or close to it. Yeah. Right, which is, again, peak viewing hours typically for, like, Sunday night sports. NASCAR had that advantage. That worked in their favor. That is not going to work every time. That is, I mean, especially if they got more rain. Like, they, I think I read a, a report that, that NASCAR was, like, less than 20 minutes from postponing the race before they, got a, they finally got a break in, in, in the weather. You know, you're cutting it really, really close in that, in that regard. Yeah. So I think, I think if, you know, again, going back, it says, does say weather aside, I'm, I'm, I'm downshifting. I don't think they were too late. I think they were just right. Because, again, that central time, having that hour, you know, having that extra hour compared to the eastern time, I think that that's what really helped make a difference. Um, you got that extra buildup, and you got the possibility to get more eyes on your product television-wise. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, I... I don't think that they were too late. I really, I was okay. This was one of the first times where I was okay with a 5.30 start. You know, normally I would say, you know, uh, three, you know, two o'clock, one o'clock, three o'clock, that would be a better time, but why 5.30? But no, this, this was different. This gave more chances because this is a fan event. You know, the race should be the big buildup. You know, it, it shouldn't be fans have to get out of bed super early or have to, you know, postpone all their plans, you know, give these fans time, especially on Sunday, especially down on the track to go down, to have time to say, hey, what is all this commotion about? You know, especially when there's free viewing areas, you know, people have more time to kind of like go out there and explore and say, oh, what's this all about? You know, especially with the street race, I think it was a good, good time. This will not work every time, but I also prefer, especially with tracks with lights, just starting it at 7. Just start it at 7. I think primetime Sunday nights, especially in the summer, should be where NASCAR is going for. I, am, I applaud them for having the last three races be essentially in in or near a primetime Sunday night slot. This is what they need for the summer. First of all, it's better for the fans. It's better for TV ratings because, again, you're not putting, you're not subjecting fans to hot weather, right? And if you started early enough at, like, say, 7 o'clock, most fans, you know, you're still home by 11 or midnight. You work a 9 to 5, that still gives you 7, 8 hours to sleep. I'm done, Josh. Go ahead and take it from here. You're the one leading. I am. I am. Shoot, I am leaning. I forgot. I got so caught up in what I was saying. Um, all right. Okay, more, more talking about the, uh, the, the, the Chicago street course. NASCAR called the Xfinity race on the streets of Chicago before halfway or the completion of the second stage, citing special circumstances. Now, they, they basically called it what I believe there was two laps left until they two hit laps. halfway. Correct. What is your take on, on, on this move, Josh? This is, uh, this was tough. Um, 
I kind of, I, I probably got to upshift it. Um, I think this was a little bit of, um, how do I want to phrase this diplomatically? Uh, a little bit of give and take, uh, probably a very politically fueled decision where they said, you know, we could delay this until Monday and we could run the Xfinity Series race and, you know, complete it then. Or we could go ahead and call it now and sort of as a goodwill gesture to the city of Chicago, right? Thank you for to everyone for putting up with us this first year around. Uh, we're going to call this race Cold Coaster of the winner. Move on. Uh, I I think that's probably what happened personally. I think it was probably honestly the right call. Let's not ruffle too many feathers. You know, in 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 year one, obviously you cannot control the weather. The first person who can control the weather will also probably become the first the world's first dictator. Um, you know, let's not um, not we can't we can't pretend that we we can predict this that like oh we're we're playing this race four years from now or we're playing the olympics four years from now we're gonna have this great outdoor arena and then it just rains the entire time you can't predict that stuff man so uh i think it's the right call i i I, as much as you know i'm like "Eh, you broke the rules but i can i understand the special circumstances behind it so i upshift um i upshift this too because let's be honest the more i think about it what were they going to do? Were they going to Belgian Grand Prix the last two laps of the to halfway? Running under a safety car? Waste resources? Waste time? I mean, it's just, just such a waste. You know? Just at, at that point, as logistically speaking, this was a special circumstance. And I think people are saying, oh, well, NASCAR's making it up as they go. NASCAR's making it up as they go. And like, no... They're not making it up as they go. This is, this is, un, this, I'm sure this is written in somewhere in the rule book. Where in a special circuit. Huh? Go ahead. Yeah. A rule that says like NASCAR is the final judgment of interpretation of the rules. Right. So they get the final, final word. And it's not like, it, it it's, it's not really like it's that big of a deal i mean if they had thrown stage cautions who cares i mean the race would have been over then anyway right there's no difference there's no difference at all to me look i i it's a bummer be that we didn't get to see the finish of the of the um of the of the xfinity race but you you couldn't have run the Xfinity race on Monday. You couldn't. No. Logistically speaking, you just could not do it. And there's no other, you know, there hasn't really been many other moments in NASCAR where that's happened. So I, I got to upshift this. I think, I think there was nothing they could have done. No issues. Uh, next question here. Eight drivers received at least five seconds worth of penalties after the conclusion of the Austrian Grand Prix after an Aston Martin protest was upheld, which ended up altering the final results. Do you upshift or downshift this, Josh? We got another question right back to back here. Uh, this one right here. Um, kudos to Aston Martin for pointing out things that other teams and drivers weren't able to control well enough. Um, I'll give them that. Um, and I guess I'm glad that 
F1 said, you know what, we had to be consistent if we were going to call it on lap 2 with this person, we had to call it on lap 68 with this guy. So I upshift that, and I'll save the rest of my opinion on this for the next question. That is a fair assessment. Um, honestly, I, yeah, I downshift this. This was a bad, bad move. I mean, look, there's, there's runoff area at Austri- in, in Austria. But there's runoff area where there needs to be runoff area. Where there doesn't need to be runoff area, there's curbing and there's grass. Okay? So it's not like, like, what advantage are these guys getting? Like, the, the Carlos Sainz penalty was ridiculous. I can't get over how ridiculous that, that, that was. I mean, he had, you know, he had maybe a quarter of his right rear tires on the on the rumble strips, and they gave him a five-second penalty for that, for track limits. I'm like, if he was all the way off and he gained an advantage, then maybe I could see that. But, look, man, the runoff area in the last, in the last couple of turns there is there so cars don't fly off and go, you know, flying into the gravel and getting stuck and, and all of that, you know. But it's not like it gives them an advantage when they go over it. It's not like you could just screw up the whole corner and and gain time. No, you either damage the floor in, in, during the, the transition from the runoff to the rumble strips, then back onto the racing surface, or you lose time because... You screwed up the corner. Like, it's self-policing in that regard. It just seemed excessive. It just seemed excessive. So, uh, with that, I'll move on to this next one, because, Josh, you're pretty fired up about this as well. Do you upshift or downshift that the 2023 Austrian Grand Prix will be regarded as one of the worst Grands Prix in Formula One history? Well, Rob, I want to say everything you said is correct. Um, I'm I'm not sure if you meant to... If you meant to uh, to downshift, you said downshift. I didn't know if you want to upshift or downshift the last question. But either way, you know, for... What did I say? I said, which altered... I I downshifted the question. I downshifted it. Okay, okay. So I... I mean, I, I agreed. Thank you for F1 being consistent um, in your calling. So I agreed with that. However, the calls were unnecessary in way... It's just, it's, it's track limits. I got turned off from this race. I was like, first off, Max Verstappen is, is walking away with it again. All right. And the racing is, eh. And every other word seemed to come out of Crofty. And I forget, I think it's Anthony Davidson was up there with him this week in the commentary box. Was was oh we got it we got we got another got another driver here, let's get the black flag, and you know Autosport did some social media stuff here. Eight drivers given post race time penalties. Signs was given ten seconds. Hamilton ten seconds. Gasly ten seconds. Albon ten seconds. Ocon thirty seconds. Sargent ten seconds. Devries fifteen seconds. Sonoda five seconds. In the race total, a total number of lap times deleted. During the Austrian Grand Prix for track limits, uh, was was 130. That's almost like saying that's almost that's 12 shy of basically saying if all 20 cars ran the race, you deleted two guys from running it. Think about that. That's what they deleted. 
that's way this is getting way too ridiculous partly because of 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 the track designs today i think austria has a has enough correct runoff and enough natural runoff i.e. grass and, and and gravel you don't need to worry about track limits when you look at a track like Bahrain, it's it's poorly designed with runoff. It's way too much runoff. It's not it's not punishing. It's got some and sand. You've got some, it's but there's some and it gets where, everywhere. Well, there's well, there's not. Well, there's too much runoff. I think this is absolutely when we look at when 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 Formula One is under a brand new brand new le- leadership, brand new different social media and comps team. 25, when they're celebrating 100 years of Formula One, one of the, they have a top 10 worst Formula One Grand Prix of all time. Number one is going to be the, the Belgian Grand Prix from 2021. All right? That's going to be number one. Number two is going to be this 2023 Austrian Grand Prix. I might be a little flippant on that. There's probably a, some other bad ones out there. Yes, I'm sure. But it will make the top 10 list. This was horrible. This was at, This is an embarrassment from both an officiating standpoint and a overall regulatory standpoint. There was no common sense used, and they and it was it's just bad. It's just a bad look. I was just I've said it on here before my my F one uh, attention is waning based off of American opinions of Americans in the in in that world and American involvement so it it it's a lot easier for me to get turned off of boring races or races that were regulated and officiated like Sundays that was absolutely ridiculous absolutely ridiculous yeah i don't know if i'm going to go that far and call it the worst grand prix of all time or even in the top 10 i mean i've seen I've seen some pretty bad ones. I've seen some stinkers, man. There, I mean, it, it, it's not. I mean, this isn't. This isn't 2005 USGP bad. So, I don't even know if you can say that. It. I mean, that's the worst Grand Prix of all time, like hands down. Like I can't think of a worse race. So, I don't. I'm not going to be that flippant. That's worse than Belgium. I thought that you right. You still think that's worse than Belgium 2021? 20 cars started Belgium 2021. I don't care if it was all done behind a safety car. Okay. Okay. I'll respect that. I'll respect that. I mean, it, it, that six cars starting a Formula One Grand Prix at Indianapolis where two of them, there's only two competitive cars and team orders dominate what's going to happen. Yeah, 100%. I would rather watch two laps behind a safety car in rain in the wet than that farcical nonsense that I watched when I was 10. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so yeah, yeah, that, that's where I'm going to take on that. Uh, let's, let's get a go. Let's go on into this next one. Talking about some indie car stuff. Do you upshift or downshift that you, you've become confused for Alex Pelot after he admitted he is in the greatest phase of his career. Josh, what about this? I will happily shoulder his confusion. Um, I, 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 yeah, I upshift. I don't really know what to say. Um, 
I felt like two months ago I was I was pretty much ready to say, yeah, Pelot's going to McLaren next year. He's cracked off four out of the last five. Uh, in in IndyCar, I don't really know what's going on in that in that guy's mind. That Spaniard has to be the 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 most confused person on earth. Um, you're doing so well with Chip. I think McLaren is just a step or two behind this year. I think you could have made some arguments last year that McLaren was at least equal with Chip, but this year it seems like the Chip cars are a little bit. A little bit better, particularly the one with that Plo's driving. Um, yeah, I'm confused for him. I don't know what he what what he's gonna do or what he should do. No idea. I am so glad I'm not in the position that he's in. Um, so I wish him the best of luck. That's what that's what I say. Yeah, man, I don't know even what to say about Polo. I have, I just don't understand what. Nobody knows what he's doing. He's he's being so coy about it every time you ask him about it in the press conference he smiles he snickers he's like ah you know eh, i'm not worried about it. you guys don't need to worry about that he's like ah, is it, eh. you know he plays it off like it's nothing and everybody else is sitting here like dude what are you doing are you going to f1 are you going to mclaren or are you going to stay with chip and keep winning races like what are you doing spoiler he's going to team penske I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. To replace whom? I wouldn't say replace whom. I think it'd be a fourth car. That's my joke. That's the joke. Yeah, Penske's not running a fourth car ever again. He's not, um, he's not gonna run a car again. Uh, but but this it's like, what do you do? What does he do? Like, if he's really going to Formula One, does he really want to go to McLaren's Formula One team? Does he re- really want to go from winning three straight IndyCar races, basically without even having to break a sweat? To, you know, barely scraping the bottom of the barrel of the points finishing positions in a mediocre to bad McLaren. Like, why? I mean, yes, it's Formula One. Yes, I get it. Okay, it's the pinnacle of motorsports. I get it. But as a driver, wouldn't you rather be winning? I would rather be winning. Right, you would rather be winning. So, where is the logic to just make not even a lateral move? Like McLaren's IndyCar program isn't even a lateral move. It's, I mean, they just seem dysfunctional. Like Felix is unlucky. Otto is un inconsistent. Lucky. Inconsistent is all hell. And and Rossi is just quiet. Sometimes he does well, sometimes he doesn't. He's Rossi. It's, it's like, the, the team doesn't seem to have a direction. Like, they're there, they're, they could see, the, they could see the, the, the top, they could see the crest of the mountain, but it keeps getting farther and farther away, and they keep losing their grip on the rocks. You know? It, that, that's, that's a weird analogy, but it's just really, like... They're taking tense forward and then 10 steps immediately back that's what mclaren's doing yeah it it just it's just i'm confused i am absolutely confused on what polo is doing and why he is being so cheeky and so coy with the media as it because it's like okay yeah you know something we don't yeah duh we're trying to figure it out quit you know quit playing with us ah okay i i got worked up about that and now it's time to 
kind of go into some somber, somber, a somber note. Because, um, God, I hate this. I hate, I hate this. I hate that this has happened again. We lost another driver this weekend at Spa. Um, and it was, it, the worst part about it is it's a young driver, 18, young kid, 18 years old. He was 18 years old. Um, Delano Ventoff is, uh, was, was, um, killed in an accident at Spa-Francorchamps over the weekend in a Formula Regional European Championship by Alpine race. Um, and it's, it's really screwed, it's really just, it's really just screwed with me, um, because I'm sick and tired of this, I'm sick and tired of reading this news, I mean, it's, it, you know, it's one thing, it's one thing when you read about it, like, in the Isle of Man, you know, because it's like, yeah, that's expected, right? It's unfortunate, but these drivers still do it knowing, knowing that, yes, this is, this is really not a safe event, and we could get killed. So you, you take it like that. But when it's something like, like, like Formula Car Racing that keeps priding itself in safety, and then you get taken down this notch that reminds you that, no, it's, it's actually still not safe. It's actually still very dangerous. And these drivers, they get in their cars with, under, with the understanding that if they're in an accident, they're given the best possible equipment to survive it. And when that proves to be not true, it's just sobering. And it brings everything down to earth, and it makes you ask yourself, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? And, and under most circumstances, you know, you could take this and, and, and you know, get better. You, could, you can improve on things. But this, this is a situation where I don't know what we do. I have a take on it. But, Josh, I'm going to pass the question off to you first and, and, and preface and say our this question is um, Lance Stroll has called for changes to the Spa-Francorchamps uh, circuit after the fatal accident of Formula Regional driver Dylan Ventehoff. Do you upshift or downshift that the recent fatalities at Spa are solely on track design? I don't view his as track design. They never should have been on track with that weather. Um, Antoine Hubert, I, I think you could argue, yes, it was. We, or we, I say we, the track moved the runoff area, extended the runoff area. That is just, that is, a, that is a dangerous corner. That is a dangerous section of track. Definitely needs to have, I, you know, we talked, we just hammered F1 in Austria about runoff. There, you, there are some places you got to have it. You have to have a runoff. And this one is probably one of those that you definitely need to have runoff on. Um, maybe it's time to kind of change that corner, that little section of track where you make that corner through a, a rouge a little, little more sweeping instead of so tight off the exit on top of the hill. You know, maybe, maybe it is time to do that. Maybe it's time to say, okay, we made, we've made changes to following deaths in F1. Maybe we need to pay attention to some of these deaths that are happening in, in lower divisions. 
I can't. I have to downshift this though. I don't think it's all solely on track design. You can't be running in the rain when you can't see fifty feet in front of you. I'm going to end it by saying that there's some people in race control and the series director that should probably be losing their jobs as a result of this and should be held accountable. So that's where I'm going to leave it. Strong words. Um, can't say that I necessarily disagree with their sentiment, though. Um, but I, I will downshift this as well. This is not on, on track design at all. First of all, this, is, this was a situation where the conditions were, were unsafe, um, especially, you know, you, you couldn't see. I mean, I, I, I don't like watching video of fatal accidents, but I, I feel like we have to understand why it happened and be better. And the only way to do that is to, unfortunately, review the, review the tape. Find out what failed. Find out what went wrong. Find out where things failed to cause this and fix those things. Uh, this was a situation where, number one, I don't know how anybody could see. I couldn't even see the cars as, as a viewer on TV. Yeah. You could yeah. see the leader, and then you didn't know the, the gap from the, the leader had to the second place because the rooster tails were so bad. Okay, so first of all, you got to do something to minimize these rooster tails. Now, I, say, I saw, I believe I saw that Formula One is uh, testing, um, like, uh, uh, a rear wheel uh, cover that they could apply on wet con during wet conditions that would reduce uh, spray, reduce the rooster tailing substantially. Now, obviously, I 100% I support that because that i mean the thing about it is is it's hard enough to to see in the rain right yeah. like if, if you've ever driven yourself it's hard no, to yeah, see exactly in rain. exactly this weekend i mean a couple of weeks ago like i've been caught in rainstorms while i'm driving and no matter how good your wiper blades are no matter how fast they're going no matter how much the defroster's on in your car it's still going to be hard to see. And, you know, these people are driving twice the speed that we're driving on the highway in these conditions. And they have no windshield wipers. And it's like they're, you're driving out behind a convoy of trucks. That's how bad the spray is. Yeah. At, at some point, like, there's, there's racing in the rain and then there's racing in a torrential downpour and even if it might not be a torrential downpour if the rooster tails are causing visibility issues for even the fans it's got to be worse for the drivers 100%. so that's number one that's number one number two is something has to be done with these feeder series tubs i mean this is unacceptable this is unacceptable i am disgusted that we have done nothing to improve the safety of these tubs since we lost Antoine Hubert. It has been four years, all, almost. It is we are coming about four years since Antoine was killed in a very similar accident that we just lost Dylan Ovantahoff to. Basically the same exact accident. This is unacceptable that we have not come up with a solution for this yet. That we are still making these tubs be allowed... 
be pierceable by these. And I understand. I, I, I get it. I get it. There are, there are always going to be issues with technology, with, you know, there are going to be setbacks. There are going to be things that are not possible. But this is one of those things where this, there has to be a solution to this. There has to be something better than this because this is the second accident that we've seen now with this. And, and, and now, look, Hubert's accident was during the dry, okay? So this could still happen. It doesn't matter if the conditions are as bad as they were on, uh, on, on this weekend on Saturday. Obviously, first and foremost, those were undrivable. Those were unsafe conditions. The race should not gone, have gone ahead. Okay, the race should not have gone ahead. They should have canceled the race and called it a day and just gone home. Okay, it's a feeder series. Who cares? Right? Who cares? It's a feeder series. Who was actually at Spa for? Who was there for the Formula Regional race? Nobody. Maybe five people. Maybe people who cover the Formula Regional series, and and their families. That's it. I guarantee you, everyone there was not there for that Formula Regional race. You could have canceled it. It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. It's stupid that we still have these unsafe tubs in these Formula Regional cars. This is unacceptable. We are killing young drivers. We are killing kids by not improving safety to these tubs. We, if, we're, if you are going... If, going to bring these cars to a track as fast as Spa, then you better damn well make sure that these drivers can survive any kind of accident. This is unacceptable. Once is too much, twice is too damn much. Fix these tubs. It's time for a new chassis. If it means time for a new chassis manufacturer, then make it so. End this now. Okay. I'm going to simmer on that for a minute because I was pretty fired up about that. I'm sick and tired of killing drivers. Uh, we'll go on to this next question here. A little bit more happy, a little bit more NASCAR related. It's always tough to transition from these, but got to do it somehow. Trackhouse Racing is the most transformative team in NASCAR since Hendrick Motorsports. Do you upshift or downshift this statement, Josh? I think uh, I think got to upshift this. Um, first off, I did look up and I said, you know what? How long did it take Hendrick to get five cup wins? A, they beat Trackhouse by about two weeks. By about two weeks. That's that's about what they did. Took them. They got their fifth win in '86. They got the first win, and they had they beat Trackhouse in the in, in in winning in their first year out. It took Trackhouse their second year to get to get uh their first win. They won three last year. They're now sitting at two in in 2023. Um. But I, I think I think what did Hendrick do? What did Hendrick do to the Cup Series? You know, when Hendrick entered, there was there were very few successful multi car teams. Or if you had a multi car team, you always were like, oh, you're favoring this guy clearly, right? Um, but Hendrick walks in, and yeah, all of a sudden they have two teams, and they're doing they're both doing pretty good. 
And they're still doing good. And now you bring a third car in. And you're doing good. You win four straight championships. And a lot of races. You have the... Arguably the greatest engine department in the sport. Uh, I'm sure a couple four people would maybe argue with that. But you had one of the greatest uh, engine departments that were put together in the 90s. Um, and you... What, how many rules were then written because of their genius out of their crew chiefs with Ray Abraham and, and I'm sure there's a few from, from the other guys and then Jack and House. You know, how many rules have been written because of Hendrick Motorsports? And they're, they're now the most successful team in the Cup Series. 14 championships, 298 career wins, I believe it is, uh, in, the, in, in just Cup alone. Uh, I think Track House is sort of rewriting what it means to be a, a team. And, you know, I, I, I like what he's done. Uh, Justin Marks has done with this Project 91. I think if he continues to put drivers in like SVG, like Kimi Raikkonen, like potentially a Brody Kostecki, or anybody else in in a, in a international sense, that's not racing NASCAR. I think it's only going to bring more eyes to the sport, and you're going to maybe think about, man, why weren't we doing this, right? I think there's going to be teams thinking about why, 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 why didn't we do this before? There's a lot of smart owners on the on the NASCAR grid. I think Justin Marks is probably piffing a couple of them off because he's showing them up, and I think Justin Marks in. Forty years, thirty-six years when they celebrate their fortieth. I think next next year's a fortieth um, anniversary for 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 Hendrick Motorsports. Um, I think when they when they're looking at that, I think they're going to be looking at like, well, yeah, we've got our ten championships, and we've got our I I I don't want to say three hundred wins, but we're we're I, I'll say I'll say one hundred and fifty. I'll be conservative. I really think that they're going to be that successful of an organization and team. I think they're going to transform what it means to market your team, what it means to find drivers and find partners and bring not necessarily new faces, but faces to the sport that then can just simply say, like, yeah, I had fun. That was awesome. You should go. I think I want to go back again another time. And that isn't like ecstatic fun, but it's a trickle effect. And I think that's just as powerful as finding one person that says, I had a fun time, a blast. I'm going every week. I think that's track house. So I think, yeah, they're the most transformative team in NASCAR since injury wonder sports. Well, I would, upshift this by saying they're the most transformative team in NASCAR, period. I mean, I don't recall any other team in NASCAR's history just having a third car with third re with resources dedicated to it for the sole purpose of just putting deals together to let international race car drivers drive in NASCAR in a top car. Like, where, when has that ever happened in NASCAR history? I don't think it ever has. I can't recall. Not in this century, at least. No, exactly. This has never happened before. And not to mention, I mean, the, the, the brand engagement, the everything that, the, that, that Justin Marks and Pitbull are doing 
is is just incredible. They are they are a refreshing look to how you can run a team in NASCAR. And I think it, they're setting the standard for how teams should continue to be run. I think we've see, we're seeing 2311, you know, kind of following a very similar idea of that. I think Denny Hamlin being a former driver, just like, or not former driver, he's a current driver, but he's a driver. He understands the business just like Justin Marks does because Justin Marks is a driver. He understands the business. You know, they could work together and, you know, they could figure something out. So I think it's great. I think, again, I would love to see other other racing teams put resources towards some of the things Trackhouse does, especially in terms of engagement and things. Um, yeah, overall, I've got, I've got to upshift this. I mean, they're, they're killing it. They're absolutely killing it. Um, all right, let's go into, uh, some more IndyCar discussion. The points difference between second and 10th in IndyCar points is smaller than it is from first to second. Do you upshift or downshift this, Josh? I mean, it's, you know, here's the thing. We, we, we applaud every single year in IndyCar brags every single year and rightfully so that their championship comes down to the wire. Now, partly that's that's that they got 17 freaking races and they should have about six or seven more. But their championships are usually pretty darn tight. Is it weird to say it's refreshing to see someone going out there and spanking the field? Is, it, is, it, is that fair? Is that good to say? I don't think this is going to become a regular thing. I don't, I'm not worried about IndyCar going like, oh gosh, you're going to weigh a Formula 1. They're going to have one guy wearing it every single week. What's going on? Uh, not worried about that at all. Not in the slightest. But it is refreshing to see Alex Pelot, who is clearly the best driver in American open wheel racing, going out and putting on a clinic and opening up a larger points gap between him and second than between second and tenth. The race is literally for second right now. Literally. And I love it. So I upshift it. It's, it's a little bit refreshing to be different. It adds to a different topic of conversation for those reporting on it and talking about it. But then again, let me also add this. If he has an epic collapse, oh boy. Oh boy. The talking points are going to be are going to once again be be plentiful. So uh, I upshift this. This is pretty fun. I like it. It's different. Yeah, I I gotta say I kind of share your your sentiments here. Uh, I think just echoing everything that you said. It's so hard in IndyCar to to break out to elite. The competition is so close. The cars are basically all the same. It's all down to driver talent. Um, and, and how well the chemistry is with your team, how well your, uh, pit strategy is week in, week out. I mean, and it's about being lucky. I don't know what it is about Bo, but dude's just getting luckier and luckier and luckier every single week. Like they pick the right strategy every week and it, it works. It works. They don't have any screw ups on pit road. Polo doesn't put a wheel wrong on the racetrack. It's. It's honestly incredible. And even when they do have problems, like they had at Indianapolis, they still rebound and they don't finish fourth. Like, oh! Like, I, I, like, again, this is not something that happens in modern-day IndyCar when the competition amongst the field is so tight. You see where they are second through tenth. That's how everybody else is racing each other because, you know... Look, Marcus Erickson went from second to fourth in the championship 
because he had a crash with Felix Rosenquist. And that was all it took to drop him from, what, what was it? I think a 70-some point gap down to, to back to Pelot, which was still reachable. Now to, it's going to take Pelot to a complete collapse here in the late summer. Pelot's got more than a two-race lead on the I on know. The- on, on on the series, that's the thing that's amazing. Yeah, it's it's absolutely unprecedented. And the thing that's interesting was, this is the thing that was crazy to me. This that I was like after the race of the pre in the post race show on NBC, uh, they were talking to Dixon, they were talking to Power, and they were ask or and they were asking him and and someone else I can't remember. They're like, you know, hey, uh, Pelot's got this ridiculous points lead now. Like, what do you think about it? And I think it was Scott Dixon who was like, eh, yeah, he's got a big lead, but, you know, anything can happen in IndyCar. You know, he's like, anything can happen. And then he goes immediately to the press conference and he changes his tune where he's like, oh, yeah, he's just going to be hard to beat. Like, I don't know what we're going to do. And Power was basically the same way. Like, he's like, yeah, I, he's just performing. He's executing. I don't know how they're doing it. Like, I, he, they, they're all stunned at at how what he's doing. I mean, we're talking about veterans of IndyCar who have, you know, two Indy 500s between them. You know, they have they have what? What what would it be? Eight championships between them. They've got eight, eight championships between them, and they've got nearly 100 wins. Yeah, I mean, and these two guys are saying it might be too hard. They they did it's it's just so interesting they didn't tell TV that but they told the reporters at the press conference that like the the tune was totally different I just I was really curious about that that was really interesting how how they went and did that so I, I feel like they were they're trying to play things up for uh, on the meet in the, for the TV audience but then when they go back and they talk to the print audience are like yeah well it's 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 not that simple you know. Well, I could have just been also just had more time to like, wow, 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 wow. He's got 110 points. That's going to be hard to beat. Because, I mean, you get out of the car and like you just got a podium. Like, yeah, I one of these days he's going to miss up. I'm going to win the race and get a bunch of points on him. But you think about it more and more and you let stew. Sometimes you come to more realizations. That could have been it. I don't know. I'm just playing devil's advocate. No, I just, I mean, I think, I think you might be right there, but. I, I don't know. I just found that kind of interesting. Um, let's move on to the next, uh, the penultimate, the penultimate upshift downshift question of the show. Did the inaugural NASCAR Chicago Street Course impress you enough to continue the three-year contract? How are you shifting on this one, Josh? You know, I don't know. I, I wish it would have been dry. I really, really wish it would have been dry during the races. Um I don't know how much of this was affected because of the rain, and the rain definitely caused a little bit of chaos. Um, dry, driving abilities tested, which I love. But the, I, I like this more than I thought I would. And damn it, NASCAR, why did you have to do this? Um, yeah, upshift. I, I, I say that, but I, I still say, like, I miss Road America. And I hate that this came at the expense of Road America. Can we ship a Kansas date to Road America, please? please. I was just about to say that. You're, you're like, ACL's hey, on, Josh, can you take away Kansas date? Um, yeah, this is... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I upshift. 
I upshift. I I agree with you. I liked this a lot more than I thought I would. I remember last year we were both kind of skeptical on this. We've been skeptical on it. We've been like, is this going to happen? Is it going to happen? And if it happens, is it going to be a success? And if it's a success, is it going to happen again? I don't know how you can not call this a success. The fact of the matter is NASCAR got unbelievably lucky from having a complete logistical disaster on their hands with the race. Yeah. Okay, they got about as lucky as you could possibly get. They will never get this lucky ever again. Okay, this, this will, this, I mean, everything, someone, I think I saw it on Twitter. Someone pointed out that they, they hoped that there were writers or camera crews out there filming some of the behind-the-scenes uh, going-ons uh, within NASCAR, within event, within the event, uh, organization within the event like management um you know like you have to document this like this has to be a story of how something can be so close to disaster yet end up being a success literally like toy story 2 you know yeah that's great that's a great analogy man that's fantastic. You know, I mean, that's that's kind of the vibe that I got about it. Like this, this really oppressed me. I mean, even even the rain, the rain. I didn't care much about the rain. The one thing that obviously it was, it was just, it was ironic because again, of course, Chicago sees record July rainfall on the day that NASCAR is supposed to race in the streets. All all anyone needs to be like, oh, crap, we need rain. We need NASCAR in town. Yeah, <laughs> like, and I mean, the thing that was so frustrating was that was the thing in 2020, though. Remember this? We're running all these yes. races. COVID, we're on tight, and like every single time we go to the racetrack, no fans are there, but the NASCAR is there, and we're like, "Yep, crap, it's raining." Yep, but my, my the thing that uh, I I got a I got a bit of a, a kick out of um, shoot, now I lost my place. What was I saying? Sorry. You 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 took me away from what I was saying. Okay, no. Um, great, great, great event. Uh, absolutely a great uh event. I thought it was good. Um, I'm trying to remember what I was gonna say. Well, it's I killing that. me now. No, it's it's not your fault. I do this to you all the time. Um, I I I just I I thought it was impressive. I thought it was a good event. I thought it was fun fun to watch. Uh. I I I hope that it does come back again. Um I think I, I I just think overall this this was more enjoyable than I think either of us thought it was going to be that anyone thought it was going to be. I think the I didn't expect the Xfinity race to be all that good, but it actually yeah. was. Well, what little bit we uh, got it was actually better. I I I I'll tell you, Rob, remember when I told you uh, we talked about the Bristol dirt race the first time that was run? And, you know, it didn't turn out to be a complete whatever we, we were calling it. Remember how I told you I'd happily eat crow, and I think I actually ate turkey in its place on the show? Do you remember that? Maybe. I've slept okay. since then. I, I promise you that's what I did. I wish I had some more crow to eat right now, because I would. Except I'd like a little bit of honey glaze on it, please. Well, that's fair. 
Um, all right, let's finish up the uh, segment today by saying, with the last question, reports say that 70 to 80% of the fans in attendance at Chicago were new to NASCAR. Are street courses necessary to developing new fans to attend permanent oval and road course facilities? Do you upshift or downshift this, Josh? Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm very interested to see how many of these fans, you know, go turn around and, A, come back next year, and B, what can we do to say, hey, well, you know, we got a race in Michigan in August, um, or is it July this year, whichever it is. Um, we got a race in Indianapolis. We've got Gateway. You know, it's a, it's, it takes place in June. Um, we got a Kansas date in in the in September, October. I forget which again, forget which month. Um, it's getting moved around. Um, but you know that's what I think we need to say. What can we do to 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 get them to go to the next race? Yeah, that's at a permanent facility, right? That that is purpose built, so we can say, okay, well we've we've done the Chicago thing. All right, let's let's go to a different street street course, right? And you know, like like Ben Kennedy was talking about, like adding a couple of street courses. Yeah, I know what Montreal's deal is for next year. You know, that's coming back. that's kind of a street course, but not really. Still think Long Beach would be a good place for NASCAR. Um, you know, Denver. I think that's a great place. To, well, place to have one. Nola. I mean, come on. So, and why not East Rutherford, New Jersey? Um, because everyone loves the Meadowlands. So, I don't know. I think I think street courses are a very interesting way, and and it, it, this is sort of a trend, you know. Is this a is this a good way to bring fans? I'm interested to see how many the fans the last two years of the clash. How what the percentages for those were, you know. That's that's something I would look into. So, um I, I gotta upshift this question. I think, you know, it's introducing to something people like this. I I did I, I did I think I texted you like Marshall Pruitt had had a sore bum. Um, with thinking, you know, he was taking a shot at, oh, this must be the first street course ever. I'm like, Marshall, shut up. All right, just just take it easy, okay? You you, you cover two series that, you know, they have raced on street courses regularly since it's their inceptions, okay? So chill out. Um, it was good. Good publicity. Go around, and they got a great show out of it. And hopefully the fans did too. Hopefully the fans enjoyed everything that they could despite the rain. So now you now now you gotta turn around and say like, all right, it ain't gonna rain next year. Come back out, you know. So yeah, I upshift. You know what? I gotta say, I upshift this too. This was really good. This is re- It's really good that this was an opportunity to show NASCAR to the people. And I I, I really think this was gonna this is gonna go down. The Chicago Street Race of 2023 is gonna go down as one of the all time greatest NASCAR events, NASCAR history moments. I mean, be, I mean, it's going to be one of those cliche things that we talk about in like 10, 15 years when we look yeah. back on the greatest moments in NASCAR history. Shane Van Gisbergen coming in and dominating on the first street course and how close it was to not even happening. He didn't really dominate, man. I mean, he, it was Christopher well, Bell for a while, but he snuck up. He he dominated that, last, that quote unquote last stage. Absolutely. Right. The point is, like, and, and, and the fact is, it, I tweeted this on Twitter. I said that race had something for everything, for everyone. I said the casual fan enjoyed the experience of, of it. 
of it. They got to go see a racing event in the city streets of Chicago and and really take it all in. And then the NASCAR fan got a good race with the Gen 7. You know, for those NASCAR fans that basically only watch NASCAR, uh, they got a good race with the Gen 7, a good road race. Excuse me, I should say with the Gen 7. And then I, I said... Those of us nutjob race fans that are absolutely obsessed with anything that goes fast and has wheels got to see Shane freaking Van Gisbergen win in his first race in a cup car. Everyone had won. Everyone wins today. Now that was awesome. I that, that is perfect. Every single. I mean, if you did not like that, you are not a fan of motor racing. I don't know what you want. Yeah, I do not know what you want either. Like, you are just being angry and being against new things, you know, for no reason. Now, when I say that, are street courses necessary to developing new fans? Yes, but be mindful of them. Be mindful. I think the ideal street courses right now keep this Chicago street race going for as long as you possibly can. I don't know how long it's going to last, but I hope it lasts. I hope I would hope it becomes a staple in the schedule after this. But then finally going back to something that we talked about a long time ago uh, on this show is where do you go with Southern California? Well, you've got the clash in uh, in the Coliseum, and you, t- you mentioned that, Josh. That is huge for new fans. The next step, I think, again, is Long Beach, a modified Long Beach Grand Prix to replace the Southern California market, the, the Auto Club Speedway market. Two biggest markets in the country. Well, two of the three biggest markets in the country have a street course. Exactly. You're not going to go to New York, but you got fit- got Watkins Glen, which is close enough. Now, if you can get enough people in Chicago and Los Angeles to come out, hopefully people in New York will make the trip to upstate and see in the Finger Lakes region. But yeah, or Dover. Dover isn't a good option, too. Dover would be a good option as well. Um, it'd probably be a little bit closer. Uh, but, um, well, maybe not that much. But, damn, wish we had Trenton. Anyway. Um, no, wow. I, I, I... No, yeah, I miss Trenton so badly. That kidney bean track is so cool. Uh, but, no, this is, this is good. This is really, really good. And this is the key to prolonging the sport. This is what they need. This is, this is things that we keep talking about of, like... What did NASCAR do when we were kids that helped lead to that boom of of fans? Well, this was one of them. This was this was something like that, making each NASCAR race an event, an event that you want to go to. It's not just a race. It's not just something for race fans. It's an event for everybody to go to. And you've had to redefine what an event is, too. Yes. So I think that's... Finally, saying okay, well, we we've we found something here on our end. Let's 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 continue tracking that that good direction. Yeah, I mean, I think the next step from here, again, Long Beach and more kind of activation like this. And I've said it. I'll say it again. I'll say it again. You've got to get something like trackside or race day going back up again because you keep oh, seeing. Imagine- Trackside or a race day this with 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 John Roberts and Kenny Wallace there at Chicago. Oh, absolutely! It would be amazing. It would be it would be a great opportunity because, look, 
college game day is still one of the most popular events, popular shows on ESPN. And it's yeah. just a pregame show to the actual day's games. Yeah. And this qualify this this goes for the, both the basketball and the football version of college game day. So NASCAR had their own version of college game day. It's time to bring it back because it's still popular. There's still a market there. People still like the opportunity to watch these shows go on, watch people come onto the stage, you know, watch antics go on. You know, maybe it's not Kenny Wallace. Maybe this is where you move Clint Boyer. Oh, maybe yeah, that's where that you move be. Clint Boyer. Yeah, that'd be good. I mean, that's that's my take on that. You know, these are all things NASCAR needs to consider um, and, and do. I think NBC, NBC came very close with that Peacock box being right, right smack dab there in in middle of Grant Park. Um, now, now, get a group of people behind there waving signs. That's your next step. Next year, put that Peacock pick box same spot. Don't put, don't do a pit box. Do a stage kind or of thing. Stage, like, yeah, whatever, something like that. Yeah, Point is, make, make it, yeah, yeah, make it accessible for fans so that they could go and 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 get a chance to be on TV, you know, and then really, really make it look like an event on TV so people that are tuning in come across the pre-race show be like, whoa, there's a lot of people here, man. This must be a big, big event. I think I'll 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 keep watching. So, yeah. all right, that's it for the upshift downshift question. Let's go into the weekend wrap up. Talk about the uh, races that happened this weekend in Formula Three at the Red Bull Ring. Paul Aaron won his uh, won the race race one, and then Zach O'Sullivan, an American, uh, won race two. Uh, and then in Formula Two, we had another American winning in Jack Crawford, uh, and then Richard Vashore won race two. Uh, the Formula One sprint race because there was a sprint race again uh, at um, at uh, the uh, at the Red Bull Ring. Um, excuse me, I just realized Zach O'Sullivan is British, so I screwed that one up. Screwed the pooch. Uh, Zach O'Sullivan is British, so actually Jack Crawford is the only American who won this weekend. I apologize. Anyway, like I said, Max Verstappen won the sprint race, and then he won the actual Grand Prix race. Whatever. Uh, in the NXT at Mid Ohio, Louis Foster won that one, and then uh, we talked about Alex Pillow won at uh, the IndyCar Honda Indy 200 Mid Ohio, uh, and then the Xfinity race was uh, in Chicago. We talked about that being a little bit uh, cut short there, but Cole Custer did manage to win that race again. So Cole Custer, hey, that uh, that's another dub in the book for him in the Xfinity series. So it looks like he's starting to have a summer resurgence which is really good, something that I kind of expected to happen. Yeah, it was going to take him a little bit to probably um, get used to being full-time in Xfinity again, but once he got used to that car again, get, got used to the rhythm, found his confidence, I figured it was going to be just a matter of time before Custer goes on a tear, so I look for him to be uh, one to watch uh, in the playoffs, deep in the playoffs. And then, of course, we talked about the Cup Series race in Chicago Street Course. Shane Van Gisbergen, the seventh driver to win in their first Cup start at the first, I believe they said, since Mark Donahue. I think it was Johnny Rutherford in 1960. Johnny Rutherford, sorry. At Daytona uh, in a qualifying race. When the qualifying races, the, the day the duels were, were points races. So it's been a while. Wow. 
Okay, okay. So you corrected me on that. Thank you for our resident historian. I think you're, a they, better. I, you're thinking of he was he was the he was the first road course ringer to come in and win. Okay, uh, okay. Since 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 Donahue. In the Cup Series, I mean, Boris said has some yes, lower division wins. Yes, yeah, that's what I meant. Like in the Cup Series, yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's that's still incredible. And this is the thing I'll say about this too, too to you, Josh. Is I just want to say that I texted you on Saturday and I told you I think he's gonna SVG is gonna win this race. I told okay, so I told uh, I don't know if he's listening to this podcast or not. I I told my friend um, Brian. I said Brian, Rob thinks SVG is gonna win. And Brian was like, I don't know, man. I don't think that's I don't think that's right. And I was kind of like, I think I'll get top. I think I'll get top ten, maybe top five. And I was thinking I'm gonna be right when he hit. When the dry hit, I'm like, oh, crap, he's falling back. He's falling back. That's not good. But he came out of nowhere quite literally because I think NBC was caught sleeping. The first time they screwed up, they really didn't show, like, uh, SVG's coming through the field, folks. And all of a sudden, like, the next thing you knew, like, uh, don't look now. But I, I can't, I'm not even going to try to mimic Rick Allen. He can't say Shane Van Gisbergen's name correctly to save his life. Shane Van um, Hamburger. Yeah, I mean, it was horrible. Uh, that was Joey Logano, by the way. Um, I know, I know. I just love it. It's yeah. funny to me. Yeah, but, like, don't look now, but SVG's on Chase Elliott's bumper. I'm like, damn it, he is. He's going to win this race. <laughs> That's exactly the words that came out of my mouth. I'm like, yeah, he's going to win. He's got it. There's no way just, he doesn't win. Just incredible performance. I mean, the 18th to first charge was 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 something else. Yes. And then second, well, I think what really helped him was so it it what what hurt a lot of the a lot of other drivers ended up helping SVG. So when they cut the um, the distance short, he had, he was one of the people who uh, had made a pit stop. And yep. then uh, and then when they had that big traffic jam, that big pileup, he he missed it, went around it, but they. They sent him to the back. They said, hey, you passed everybody after the caution flag. So they sent him to the back, which is ridiculous. Um, Last time he, I, you weren't able to move, you were part of the caution. Yeah, I don't know why. That was a stupid call, by the way, for NASCAR. Um, maybe they were just trying to spice up the show, which they kind of did, technically, because they made SVG drive from 18th to 1st. Yeah. But he had, he had, what what was it, like maybe 10 laps? 15 lap fresher tires than everybody else than the guy cars in front of him. He had yeah. a, a slight tire had, advantage. I think he had like a 16 lap tire advantage over yeah. Haley and, and Elliot. So it was, it was one of those things where it's like, all right, well you got the best supercars driver of all time, probably of the last 20 years. Um, and he is, and, and I say that with all due respect to Scott McLaughlin to Marcus Ambrose, to Mark Scaife, to Russell Ingle. I say that with all due respect to them. But even in Ambrose's case, he did not walk right into NASCAR and win immediately. It took him a while. Well, and, and remember, the car that he walked into was not very similar to... You're, tr you're right, you're right. You're very car. right. There are a lot of similarities to the modern Gen 3 supercar and the modern NASCAR Cup car, yeah, you were yeah. you were correct about that. So that's but that's why I said with all due respect to these drivers, like I don't want to take anything away from how good they are and how good they were in their in their primes, but SVG is just on another level. 
and watching him carve through that field was it was one of those things where it's like I fully expected this, but I didn't actually think it would happen. I thought something was going oh, to go wrong. I thought top five. I'm like I honestly yeah. and truly thought like okay. I kind of took his 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 evaluation pre-race to heart. Like, yeah, things are going to level out and and they'll get better and and I'll fall back. I'm like, okay, well, you fall back to fifth. You fall back to fifth. Yeah, like the furthest you fell back, like prior to the 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 uh, end of the, the race, the yeah shortening. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did a great job. And 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 you know, um, I don't think it was. I I don't think it's a bad look for NASCAR. I think it it shows how tough it no, is. Yeah. But then it also shows the skill, like you know, you put it, you put. I think it, it kind of is us a nod to Shane saying, like you know, put me in something else. What else can I try and drive and succeed in, you know? And I and it's kind of like, okay, well, what would Shane do if we put him on an uh, in Indy car at, uh, you know, Mid Ohio? You know, what would Scotty Mac do in a Cup car? Oh, I, yeah, Scotty Mac's driving for the wrong team owner. He'll right, never drive but he's it. still winning an Indy car. I know exactly. I mean, I would. I would think hard to do. Which is hard to do. Absolutely. So I think, I think Shane's just. I think Shane is 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 probably. You know, I'll say I think he's probably one of the most underrated race car drivers in the world. And I he's think not you look underrated like, in Oz. Let me tell you that. Well, I know that. The Australia is twenty five million people. That's that's not a, that, I don't even know a fraction of the of people that is in the world. I don't even know if it, that's right. I, I think it actually is. I think their population is about twenty five million people in in, in Australia. What let's about New Zealand? Okay, well, let's look it up. We'll, we'll pull it up comprises right of Australia and New Zealand. Anyway, my, my but no, my my point to that is I think it. This also, uh, this says to the whole world. Supercars drivers are really, really stinking good. Yeah. They yeah. are versatile. They are incredibly versatile. Like, Scotty Mack and SVG just flying over here to America with little to no testing beforehand and just immediately finding success. Like, yeah, it took Scotty Mack, you know, maybe a season to get things under his yeah. belt. But by the end of his first season, he was, he was up to speed. Yeah. By the way, about thirty-two million people between New Zealand and Australia. Okay, that's still a lot of people. But I'm just saying, like worldwide, I would say, like, okay, let's let's put Shane, is Shane in the possibly in the conversation, like skill-wise, to jump in different cars between like a Larson. You know, is he? But Larson is, in in a co in a supercar at Bathurst. Yeah, yeah. That would be something that would literally be up his 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 lane and that's the that's the interesting thing i love what kyle larson said after the race it made me so giddy like i don't know why but larson was like he he was so confident that he was going to be able to hold him off right mm -hmm. hold shane shane off when shane was charged through the field and then when larson realized that he couldn't that he was just so much faster and as soon as svg passed larson larson just said i just got to sit back and enjoy the show from that point on like Larsa just said, yeah, I don't care that I'm gonna lose this race or I'm gonna lose this these these points. He was like, I just get to, I have the a prime, I have the best seat in the house to watch the show. Yeah, <laughs> that was what he was. That's all he cared about after that was what's SVG faster. He was like, all right, I get to watch, I get to watch a show. 
Ah, boy, fun, fun times, fun times. Um, outstanding performance, Josh. Who you got this week? I'm going to give it to the Chicago fans. They stuck around. I don't know how many people were actually there on Sunday, but uh, you know, seeing the shots of all the fans just crowding around and getting as close as they could to the circuit was absolutely amazing. And uh, kudos to them. I know it's the Midwest. Uh, Chicago rains there from time to time. Um, so uh, very uh, uh, tip of my cap to all them who braved the weather and stuck around. So Chicago fans, you get it from me this week. I finally remembered what I was going to say earlier uh, before we talked about the weekend wrap-up and before we got into the last upshift-downshift about Chicago was I kept, I, it kept making me laugh how the, the rain cell was not moving to the east like it would normally. It wasn't moving out. It was just perpetually circling Chicago <laughs> and the entire region of northwest Indiana. And it was just not moving until, like, the race was supposed to get... It did not stop moving until, like, 4.30. That's like, what did we do to deserve this? Anyway, like that, that's, that's the Monday meeting at NASCAR. What in the hell did we do to deserve that? Like, Guess seriously, what... how do you plan for that? You expect the cell to just move by. Like, most situations, you would just expect, okay, when's the cell going to move out? It's not going to be. But no, this just kept staying there and rotating around and not moving, not dissipating. Just <laughs> weather anomaly in Chicago today. Um, yeah. I'm not a weatherman, but that was very bizarre to me. So um, my outstanding performance is going to go to uh, Shane Van Gisbergen in general. Just... I already talked him up. I already explained. I mean, to come in with no, like, barely any testing, basically, like, what, a week's worth of testing? couple days, maybe? Like, he had just tested, like, the week of the race. He flew in from down under. Uh, and he just immediately comes in and wins like it's no big deal. Like, shows up every other driver in, in the field. I know Chase Elliott was, like, was, you know, kind of cheeky about it. He was like, oh, yeah, he's going to go down until everybody how terrible we all are and i'm like okay yeah that's not exactly true let's be honest um do you think that someone like jack smith could walk into the cup series and do that no no he could not um let's be completely straight with ourselves right now i love mac jones macaulay jones but he couldn't either you know okay svg is just another breed chase okay what? wait till brody comes brody kostecki comes in starts doing some xfinity races if that still is on, on the plate I'll be surprised if Brody comes in and wins right away. I think he has a chance to maybe win in a in like a second or third start, but I don't think Brody's SVG level. I think he's good, but he's not SVG level. SVG's the kind of person who, yeah, you totally expect him to just get in this car and drive in the same regard as you would just expect Kyle Larson to get in the car and immediately have success. You know, seeing the two of those, th those two drivers share a racetrack together was just cool. And and I think we we as race fans were very lucky to get to see that. Yeah. Uh we were very lucky to see two drivers at the top of their disciplines go out there and showcase, you know, who's good and who's not. I think Larson gave gave SVG a good fight, but SVG knows things that Larson doesn't. And I think the worst thing for the rest of the field was for Larson to follow him 
And maybe the wor- even worse thing is if Larson goes back and watches his foot cam and learns how to heel toe, then the rest, it's, it's over from there. Then it's just over. Oh, I wonder how many people are going to start driving like SVG. Like, okay, well, he was obviously doing something, right? Hey, man, he does it all. They it When you need to master Bathurst, you are looking for every inch of the racetrack that you can take without hitting the wall. It kind of comes naturally to Shane. You saw a lot of drivers in the cup race, you know, crossing that limit. I think you put a lot of those drivers in a Bathurst car, they probably hit the wall once or twice during practice. Yeah. Maybe not during the race. Maybe by the time they get to the race, it they 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 figure it out. But at practice, oh, yeah, they're 100% going to fence it at the top of the mountain. Like on the descent, at the very least, they're going to they're going to fence it at least once if you put a NASCAR driver in there. And that's not a knock on the NASCAR driver. They're just not used to that. Once they get used to it, then we can really kind of gauge it. I don't know who what NASCAR driver is going to run Bathurst, but it's a pipe dream of mine. If they ever run Bathurst in December again, maybe. But for now, they're still running it in October during the playoffs, so probably not going to happen. All right, Josh, I'm going to turn the keys over to you to take care of the Rollers featured season and bring us on home for this week's episode. Josh, go ahead and take it away and show us, tell us all about uh, this week's history. All right, well, uh, how many of you know that Kevin Harvick is a NASCAR Winston West champion? Rob is raising his hand. I cannot see his hand. It's cut off by the screen. But I assume he still has it, and that means that he is, in fact, he did know that. There you go. Very good, Rob. Well, he is. Uh, which technically makes him, and doesn't technically, it does, in fact, make him a four-time NASCAR champion between his cup championship, two Xfinity championships, uh, as well as the West Championship, and also a uh, four-time truck championship owner. And technically a one-time Xfinity Series uh, championship owner, too, because of his 06 championship being a co-owner deal with uh, Richard Childress. But I digress. He accomplished this feat, winning the Winston West Championship in 1998. The season began on January 11th at Tucson Speedway and concluded at Las Vegas Motor Speedway on November 7th. Race 1, Tucson, was won by Bush Gilliland. Harvick finished 13th. Uh, Kevin Harvick then won Race 2 at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, the mile-and-a-half oval. Yes, at what is, what is now the Arco West. Once raced on mile and a half, some bigger tracks. Um, that was a 35-car field uh, in, in that race that Kevin Harvick won at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Uh, Phoenix Raceway hosted race number three, and it was won by Rich Woodland Jr. Harvick finished second. Ken Schrader, everyone's favorite M&M driver, uh, won on the two-mile Fontana Speedway. Auto Club Speedway, California Speedway, Oval, and that was race four. Harvick, fi- Harvick finished second that day. The first of two road course races was the fifth race of the season at Heartland Motorsports Park, then known as Heartland Park Topeka. Sean Woodside was victorious that day with Harvick finishing fourth. Uh, Mesa Marin was race six, which Gillen uh, became the season's first repeat winner, and Harvick finished 21st with an engine failure at his home track. Uh, race 7 was Altamont Motorsports Park. Harvick was victorious in that day. 
the second half of the season began at Portland Speedway, now the torn-down half-mile oval, which was located not too far away from the currently standing and active and resurging Portland International Raceway. Gary Smith won that race, with Harvick coming home in seventh. Race 9 was a second trip to Fontana, won by Kevin Harvick. Race 10 was a uh, trip to the wonderful Pikes Peak International Raceway, also won by Harvick. See how I just talk of Pikes Peak? I love Pikes Peak. Um, I like Pikes Peak. I know. Uh, 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 ISC, circa 2005. Yeah, unfortunately. Bazinga. <laughs> uh, which I wish we had, like, like uh, uh, a keyboard with sound effects that I could go, like, give, like, I don't know what I'd do there, like a clap? A Sheldon maybe... Cooper bazinga? Is that really what you just did? I did do that, but I wouldn't do a Sheldon Cooper bazinga noise thing. I'd do something else. Oh. Well, I like the Big Bang Theory, even though apparently it's fun to dunk on it now on the internet. It is so, fun to dunk, apparently, yeah. Yeah, I don't care what anybody says. It's funny to me. You can take out the laugh track, and I will still laugh at it. Anyway, That's fair. continue. Well, like I said... Harvick won Pikes Peak, and then followed by that was race 11 at Evergreen Speedway, won by Butch Gill, and Harvick was third. Sonoma Raceway was the second and final road course race of the season in race 12. Harvick won that race. Uh, race 13 was a second trip to Mesa Marin, and Sean Woodside won that race with Harvick finishing fifth. The season finale was at Las Vegas Motor Speedway's once again Big Oval, mile and a half, won by everyone's favorite, Andy Houston. All right, future McDonald's driver there. Uh, Harvick finished the season, uh, the final race of the season, in third. At the end of the day, he only won the championship by 100 points over Sean Woodside, with Canadian Gary Smith finishing 370 points behind in third. That is Roller's Featured Season this week, the 1998 NASCAR Winston West Series. All right. Josh, I love it. I love it. I love it. That was a lot of fun. A lot of cool tracks out there that the Winston West won at the time. Uh, I want to add. I want to put a pin on uh, something as we uh, transition into the closing segment of the show. To put a pin on this, I just now saw this as you were talking about this. I sometimes I pull up my phone when Josh is talking. I'm still listening to him, but I'm checking it because we all have phone addictions. And uh, I this this came across uh, my Facebook because I had a notification and. And I went back to my home feed. Uh, apparently, Denny Hamlin has crowned Shane Van Gisbergen, quote, the greatest effing athlete he's ever seen. <laughs> so that's quite an accomplishment from, from Denny Hamlin. Oh, okay. Well, more power to Denny Hamlin. I, I think that's kind of... <laughs> I, I don't actually think... I don't even think he's wrong. So... Anyway, uh, let's talk. take a look at uh, what's coming up here in the windshield in terms of racing this upcoming week, next couple of weeks, uh, a lot of stuff going on. Formula E still off this weekend, but on July and 15th and 16th, the Rome E-Prix will take place. Uh, and then, hey, this Sunday, we've got the British Grand Prix at the Silverstone Circuit, one of my favorite tracks. Um, IndyCar will have a week off this weekend before going to Canada. Uh, for the uh, Toronto, the Gr Toronto Grand Prix, Grand Prix of Toronto, on July 16th. Uh, if you liked and enjoyed watching Shane Van Gisbergen race 
the Chicago Street Course, then I highly recommend a subscription to Superview on YouTube for Supercars because they are in action uh, coming up this weekend at the Townsville 500 in Queensland. That is a big, big deal going on this weekend. That's another street course. So again, SVG is going from completely out of his element back into his element. So if you really want to see just how good this guy really can be, go watch that race this weekend. You won't be disappointed. Uh, and then for NASCAR, hey, we're going to uh, the Diet Super Speedway of Atlanta Motor Speedway this weekend for the Cup Series and the Xfinity Series. I love this, Josh. I love this. We're going to night races. We got mid-summer night races, prime time, both Xfinity and Cup Series. going to be run under the lights. This is good. Thank goodness. Give me more of this. Love it. Now let's put Richmond back at night, and I think we're 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 starting to get there. I will be at both those races, Rob, helping out Atlanta Motor Speedway. So uh, wish me good luck and no heat advisories in the good old Hampton, Georgia area. Well, again, it's it's nighttime. It'll, the races will be at night. So my hope is that it will be a little bit cooler there. Uh, so I always I always say nighttime, summer nighttime races are are the way to go. That's my opinion. I think they're the way to go. Uh, this race kind of, it, it's not the Pepsi Coke Zero 400, but it's a diet version of it, I guess, because we're in the diet super speedway of Atlanta. Um, so, still happy that we're having a, a uh, night race with pack racing uh, close to the 4th of July. It's, yeah. it's not the same, but it's close. It's close. It's just close enough where my curmudgeon NASCAR fan is pleased, and my open-minded NASCAR fan is also pleased. So, all right, that's it for this week's show. Thank you guys so much for listening. Remember, please, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you get them. You now, now we're on Spotify. We're on Spotify for podcasters. We are on Google Podcast. We are on iHeartRadio. We are on Apple Podcast. We are on amazon music so you can ask your alexa hey alexa play robin roller you can tell your google hey google play robin roller you can tell uh anything to play robin roller you could tell siri hey siri play robin roller you know you can do that oh oh uh oh i just did that oops oops no no shut up siri all right for josh roller my name is rob peters be sure to subscribe. Uh, I can be found at rpeters33. That's R-P-E-E-T-E-R-S-3-3. Josh can be found at roller underscore zero one, R-O-L-L-E-R underscore zero one. Those are our Twitter handles, and they are the same for Instagram in case Twitter completely goes belly up, which we're assuming it will pretty soon, and this new mm, Instagram threads comes out and becomes more successful you can find us over there, same exact handles. So, for Josh Roller, my name is Rob Peters, and this has been the Racing with Robin Roller podcast. Have a great week, everybody, and uh, we hope you had a great 4th of July holiday for, uh, for those of us here in the good old U.S. of A.